0: As always, I'd like to welcome everyone back to another edition of the TOT Cast. My name is Ryan Greco, and uh, I'm actually going to be flying solo tonight. Uh, It is Sunday evening, I mean, uh, just off the heels of the deepest run the Toronto Raptors have ever made in playoff history, off the heels of the best season the Toronto Raptors have ever had in their franchise's history. And I mean, what a ride it has been, and what a validation for the fans who have stuck through this team thick and thin and everything that they've been able to accomplish this year I actually wanted to tally off some of the accomplishments of this team I mean what what more can we say 56 wins most wins in franchise history smashing the old record by seven games deepest run in the playoffs once again smashing that record going 2-4 and four, unfortunately falling 4-2 to the uh, Cleveland Cavaliers but I mean you know a thought about this for Raptors fans. Just just take this away from this season. Despite the fact that we were unable to defeat LeBron James and the Cleveland Cavaliers, we were two wins away from the NBA Finals. Really take that into perspective. It's one thing to look at how far we've come, but to think about how close this team was to what would have been an absolute nightmare for ESPN or TNT or anyone who had the NBA Finals uh, having you know even though the fourth largest media market in north america as a matter of fact i actually think it might be the third largest media market as of me speaking this in north america a fact that no one in the united states likes to bring up um they they didn't get that matchup the uh, and it looks like now with uh, the oklahoma city thunder now uh, dropping two straight to the warriors they might get their their uh, their fantasy match of steph curry versus lebron james in the finals uh, but when you really think about the Raptors coming two wins away from the finals, I mean, I think that really puts it into perspective of how successful this season was. As great as all the other accolades for what this team had done. The NBA is one of those kind of leagues where really at the end of the day, great progress is always celebrated. But we've seen countless teams come through the Eastern Conference, the Atlanta Hawks, uh, the Boston Celtics recently, uh, the Indiana Pacers more specifically as well and they're in the last, I'd say, 25 years or so, where there are these teams and the Philadelphia 76ers that were led by Allen Iverson. Uh, these are teams that did extremely well. New Jersey Nets is another one there as they, they come to my mind as I'm rattling them off. These are all teams at one point or another finished in the top two or three in the regular uh, season standings in the Eastern Conference. But they were never really considered serious title threats, even making it to the NBA Finals. Um, At the end of the day, it's all about the rings. It's all about the championships. And just to to see how close the Toronto Raptors came to, to achieving that this year, who would have thought, you know, three years ago, if you had said, Kyle Lowry, a guy who at the time was ready to be traded by a general manager by incoming general manager Masai Ujiri to the New York Knicks, and DeMar DeRozan, a guy who we never really expected him to be much more than what he was at the time, and to argue really hasn't become anything else than what he already was at the time three years ago. Uh, these would be the two guys that would lead us to within a breath of the NBA Finals. I think it would have been hard to believe. I mean, that the core team that we had from three years ago is a major reason why we're even in this situation in the first place, at least as the regular season is concerned. Because when we want to talk about the bench, like let's talk about the bench for a second here. Corey Joseph, Damari Carroll for a certain time when he came back into the starting lineup. But I guess more specifically the supporting cast, Bismack Biambo, I mean... He he became the Stephen Adams, if you will, of the Eastern Conference. Uh, you know he he's made himself famous more or less, and now he's garnering what a lot of GMs are saying anywhere between sixteen and seventeen million dollar contracts next year. Uh, it's going to be expensive to keep him. Um, when you talk about Corey Joseph, who I think was arguably uh, the most important bench player that they brought with the besides Bismack Biyombo uh, onto this team this year. Um, you know, the depth of this team was shown in full colors when Jonas Valanciunas went down in the second round, and he was never really seen from in any impactful way the rest of these playoff series and the rest of this playoff run, but the Raptors still managed to persevere, and they still managed to do something that nobody else in the Eastern Conference could do this year, and they made God bleed. They made King James and the Cleveland Cavaliers, a team who many were comparing to the uh, 2001 Los Angeles Lakers who went 15-1 and in the playoffs. A lot of people were thinking they were steamrolling the Raptors, they were going to go right to the Eastern Finals, and who knows what they were going to do against Steph Curry or Oklahoma City, but the Raptors proved them wrong. So with all of that being said, making God bleed, let's talk about that for a second. Because this was a team, and this was an organization, and a fan base, and even a country in a lot of Canadian Hoops fans' eyes who felt like they were completely disrespected from start to finish. You could talk about any of the names that were thrown out there, Tony Kornheiser, Skip Bayless, Stephen A. Smith. Uh, I mean, the list can go on and on of a lot of people in the States, a lot of very notable and well-respected journalists in the States. And I'm not specifically talking about Skip Bayless when I say that, but to any point, <laughs> the um, these all of these analysts, all of these people who get paid to watch basketball all year long, we're writing off the Toronto Raptors, and a lot of the hot takes were, "Well, if Kamala Lowry and DeMar DeRozan are not going to be playing at their top level, this team has no chance." And time and time again, although it was like it wasn't exactly a fun run to watch from a Ra- from a Raptors fans' perspective, from my perspective, because we know how good this team can be when they're firing in all cylinders, but they found ways to win. And that's all you can ask for for a team that's learning how to win, is finding ways to win when not everybody's on the same page. And that's exactly what this team did. And the supporting cast played such an important role in that. Um, With all of that being said, in the disrespect, whether it was Dwayne Wade not finishing up his his routine early enough to stand still and at attention for the Canadian National Anthem, whether it was uh, CBS Sports polling us as the other team When it came to who they thought would win the uh, NBA finals, uh, definitely a a complete and direct snub at not just the Toronto Raptors fans, but even the entire country. Because, uh, you know, being the only Canadian team that, you know, you've got an entire country behind this team and no one was taking us seriously. And then we went into Cleveland. We got steamrolled in two straight games and everybody looked like they were being proven right. At least everyone down south was being proven right. And a lot of the analysts up here didn't think there was much fight left in the Raptors. But then we went into Toronto and then we handled business in two straight games. But not just handling business. We made the most legitimate point of a threat. We became the closest thing to a threat, a real legitimate threat that the Cleveland Cavaliers had faced all playoffs in game four. Leading almost wire to wire taking the best shots that Cleveland could throw at us. And at the time, they were coming out of Channing Fry of all people. And we were able to persevere. Our two stars played like the stars that they were. And a lot of people, a lot of people, and across a lot of major networks down in the United States were eating their words. It was a beautiful thing to watch. Out of that, once again, we go back to Cleveland. Toronto Raptors lose. Badly. Uh, Unfortunately, a mistake that they would not be able to rectify in this series. Then they finally come back to Toronto, show a little bit more fight, but really it was a convincing win from start to finish. The Cleveland Cavaliers just with more talent and a guy named LeBron James leading the way and their role players and their secondary stars doing what they needed to do closed out a win, and that was a closeout win by a veteran team that knew exactly what they needed to do, led by the greatest player of our generation, and there really was no shame in losing to a team like that, and the fans showed it, and not only did the fans show it, by now you've heard the clip, but I'm going to play it again, because I think it's, it's very fitting to cap off this season for the Toronto Raptors, and it's only fitting that the most memorable quote from this season, after all the things that have been said about this team by people outside the organization, it's only right that... Someone from outside the organization was able to cap off the season most appropriately by what he said. First of all, uh, do you hear this? Do you hear this? Unbelievable respect and much respect to these fans, to this country. This is unbelievable. I've never been a part of something like this in my 13-year career. Uh, This is special, and um, they really appreciate what their team did. I mean, it's fitting, right? The best basketball player of our generation, after what seemed like an entire two months of disrespect that had been shoveled in our faces about how good we weren't, even though we had finished with a franchise best wins uh, seating in the conference, um, all of those things combined. And all of the negativity that was being thrown at this organization throughout the entire playoff run. I mean, even fans ourselves, a lot of us had a lot of criticisms for our best players not playing like our best players. But when the time came down to it, the Toronto Raptors not only rose to the occasion, they exceeded a lot of people's expectations even up here. Uh, Personally, I didn't think this season would be a success unless we had gotten to the Eastern Conference Finals. I know a lot of people who were in that same school of thought, both analysts and simple fans alike, Um, but seeing them actually make it there was an entirely different thing. I think that by the Raptors and this specific generation of Raptors getting past the first round, and then not only that, just beating teams that they were better than. That is the most important thing to take away from the season. The Toronto Raptors, when it came down to it, beat every team they needed to beat that that they were better than. The only team they lost to this year, the team that ended their season, unlike the two previous years beforehand was to a team that was simply better than us. But we didn't go down even without a fight to them. We even made them sweat a little bit. We made Cleveland sweat a little bit. We made a lot of analysts down south sweat a little bit because they just got called out on their credentials by wrongly assuming what this team was capable of. And I'm going to say this right now. Toronto was not playing above themselves. Toronto was not magically putting together a fantastic series that nobody expected, even though no one really expected it outside of the Raptors fans. Anyone who had sat down and watched this team play during the regular season, anyone who had sat down and watched this team play at its best, knew that they were more than capable of taking Cleveland to seven games, knew they had the talent, knew they had the depth on their bench, knew they had the... I mean, and and not only that, I mean, you can make the argument that Dwayne Casey, considering the fact that he didn't have his two best players playing at their best, navigating through two seven-game series and a six-game series with the best, arguably the best team in the NBA right now, did a masterful job coaching this team, working through the rotations, giving guys an opportunity. There were a lot of questions that we all had for a lot of the moves that were made, but at the end of the day, he did the very best he could, and he should be commended for that, and I don't think he gets enough respect for that. But I'd like to also talk a little bit about the comments themselves made by James. At the time, it's it's crazy. I mean, listening to those comments coming from him mean a lot. As a matter of fact, as a Raptors fan, the sting was not as severe. Especially looking back on it now. I mean, I, I saw a lot of people who went from Apathy to a little bit of joy even and pride that the best player of our generation, and I'm going to keep saying that because he is, uh, managed to find the words to describe our fan base in a way that we only seem to really appreciate. I mean, you get a couple of comments here and there from the from the, the color, uh, co- sorry, from the in-game commentary on ESPN and on uh, TNT, which was nice, um, but really to really hear it from LeBron James means something entirely different. So it made me wonder, I mean, it's just another perfect example of how savvy of a businessman LeBron James is. And let me explain why. You see, LeBron James is easily the most aware athlete of our generation. What I mean by that is this is a guy who never says a word without thinking it through. Ever since LeBron James has returned to Cleveland, he has been one of the most dialed-in athletes that we have ever seen. Um, You never hear any kind of specific... He's got an entire team around him that keeps him informed about everything. He knows exactly what he needs to say at the right time. And at the end of Game 6, that was a perfect example of it. I mean, this is a guy who I guarantee you... He heard about the issues with Dwayne Wade snubbing the Canadian anthem. I mean, that's practically his brother. He knew about the CBS polls calling Toronto other as opposed to us by name when it came to finding out who would win the uh, NBA championship. He was very vocal about uh, Donald Sterling back when he was still with Miami. Uh, he was, he's was he been very vocal on a number of issues uh, when asked about them, uh, but Really, above all else, he he just, I mean, this is a guy who signed a lifetime billion-dollar deal with Nike, and Nike does not invest a billion dollars into somebody they think uh, can't handle it. Most importantly, though, what we're going to be getting, what you saw there, you better get used to. LeBron James is starting to have a very presidential feel about how he's moving around, how he how he talks to the media how he handles certain situations. He is a very self-absorbed person. He does like to call out players in a passive-aggressive tone, and it's been documented plenty of times. But I do also feel that that even that image of him is is, uh, one that's just as easily portrayed by the media as it is actually true. So what I really mean by that is I think the media has just as much to do with that perception as LeBron James does. But I think in a time now where LeBron James realizes that entering this lifetime deal with Nike has certainly changed his perspective on a lot of things and what people are going to be considering about his legacy. He's going to make sure he is the most endearing athlete both on and off the court in the last half of his career. Make no mistake about it. Those kind of quotes, that kind of likable guy that you almost want to go out and have a beer with, like a Peyton Manning. It is, it, is a, it is a tactic straight out of the Peyton Manning book, what he did, talking about the Toronto Raptors fans and team the way that they played against the Cleveland Cavaliers during this series. He is a man that is going to do everything he can for people to start recognizing LeBron James the man, as opposed to LeBron James the athlete. So I think at the same time as it was endearing him to the Toronto Raptors fans, I mean, quotes like that, He could run for prime minister right now here in Canada, and I don't think there's a lot of people that would vote against it. It never came off as phony. It came off as sincere. And for all we know, he could really mean it. I mean, there are 35 million possible Nike consumers that live in Canada. And I think that now that LeBron James has signed that deal, he understands he's just as much a Nike man as he is a Cleveland man, as he is a LeBron man. He needs to make sure that his personal image is going to be squeaky clean or at the very least relatable going into the final half of his career because he's going to be selling a lot of things for Nike for a very very long time for the rest of his life and people are going to need to eventually find a reason to invest and buy his products long after he stopped playing basketball much like Michael Jordan the exact same way as Michael Jordan actually people need to be able to understand that his brand is one of excellence but also relatability in whatever it is that he sells. It's the same reason why he drives a Kia in the car commercials. The same reason why he calls out people saying, oh, he doesn't really drive a Kia. That's the very same LeBron James in those commercials before the end of game six that was telling us, oh, no, I really do drive a Kia, I swear. We all don't really believe it, no matter how much he claims to in his Kia commercial, just in the same way that I don't necessarily completely believe that LeBron James found the Toronto atmosphere unique. Maybe he did but I'm sure he's been to a lot of huge events in his life. But just the fact that he was even aware enough to pull it out, to see how intense that these fans are. But not only that, just understanding that Toronto is its own market. Canada is its own market. It's not one that has to be latched onto the United States. We have unique tastes. We have unique views. We have unique way of being who we are. And I think LeBron James recognizing that in that quote was one of the smartest business decisions he's made at least to our faces out in the open not behind closed doors it's one of the top business decisions he made in his entire career up until this point keep in mind he came in here into the nba he was a this is a kid this is a guy i can't even say kid anymore he's 30 he's 32 years old now this is a guy who was handed 10 million dollars before he ever touched an nba basketball or stepped on an nba floor nike had that much belief in him So don't be surprised when you start seeing presidential LeBron, as you might want to start calling him eventually, making more quotes like this, being a little bit more thoughtful in the way that he speaks to the media. Keep in mind, this is a guy now who's at a point in his career, especially if he wins a title, especially if he goes up against either OKC or Golden State and wins a title. This is a guy who can literally say or do whatever he wants to a certain degree. When it comes to talking basketball or criticizing people whatever he says he knows it carries weight and i've never seen a more self-aware athlete in the 21st century than we have seen lebron james with the exception of maybe peyton manning or even a tom brady more or less basically anyone outside of football there's been few people with his range keep in mind lebron james isn't just an athlete he's an icon lebron james is the type of person that can can't walk down any street at least in north america or europe Or Asia without being recognized. Just simply even for his sheer size. Or like anywhere in the world. Africa too. Australia. Anywhere. You don't become that level. You don't make that kind of headway and success in your life. Without being aware. It's impossible. The only difference is that LeBron James, unlike a lot of artists major CEOs and uh, businessmen, anyone in a public eye outside of maybe political office, and even then, is, is stretching it a little bit. LeBron James has to answer to the media on a daily basis. He is held accountable. His words are held to the fire constantly. As much of a media darling as he has become going back to Cleveland, he's still challenged on a more regular basis than any pop star, than any politician, and especially any businessman, especially someone at the level that he's dealing with now. He's exposed to questions, to accusations, to just about anything more consistently on a daily basis than any of those people combined. I would put my life on it, especially during the regular season. It's important for him to be able to control the narrative like any other athlete, but I mean, for him, the stakes are at a level that few can comprehend in any business, forget just sports. So the way that he was able to show that appreciation for Toronto was also one of the best PR moves I've ever seen from a professional athlete. So I think that really just kind of sums it up. Getting back to the Toronto Raptors though, a lot of questions are being spun around now amongst the Raptors community. As the playoff hangover begins to kind of wear off, we're going to be looking to the offseason. We've got a couple of Canadians in the draft. Are any of those guys going to be the right fit for the Toronto Raptors? Would it be important to any fans to see more Canadian content on this roster, or does it even really matter? Will DeMar DeRozan receive the max deal that everyone is really debating over because he's going to. it's not really so much a question of will he get the max deal, it's where he's going to get it from. Um, I think that anyone who feels that the Los Angeles Lakers or any other team that isn't in contention right now, anyone that believes that DeMar DeRozan is going to give the best years of his life to an organization that still is not even close to figuring it out in the toughest conference, arguably in sports, uh, is beside themselves and is really just doing it to grab ratings. Um, and I also think that, you know, we'll just say it. DeMar DeRozan isn't leaving. Uh, Bismack Biambo is going to be an interesting uh, factor moving forward. This is a guy who is near the league minimum, uh, this year. Uh, he was, he's expecting a huge raise about a, in the range between 15 and $20 million for next season. Uh, especially with the salary cap going up. Uh, will we be able to keep him? Can Toronto afford to keep him? Um, I mean, there's a lot of questions for this team. They have their nucleus still. I don't see DeMar leaving. Kyle Lowry's locked in, at least for the next uh, for the next year. So it's going to be a very interesting offseason to see what is going to transpire. The Raptors have a reasonably high pick in the draft, ninth overall, um, which does leave them open to the possibility of drafting some high-level players, even though the draft itself isn't exactly a very deep one this year, according to a lot of experts. So really, it's it's just going to be a wait and see. The next couple of weeks are really going to, and especially who the Raptors might end up drafting, who they're going to be in, in, in talks with come free agency. And that's that's the big question above all. Have the Raptors done enough to lure away a major free agent from any of the other teams around the NBA? Kevin Durant's out of the picture. He's completely out of the picture now. Him, within a game of the NBA Finals, has given him and Russell Westbrook more than enough reason to stay with Oklahoma City. Um. There are a few other players out there, though. And I think that is going to be a conversation we will leave when we have the rest of our, our panel on for the Toronto Raptors during our TOT cast. Uh, but as for now, I would like to send my appreciation out to everybody who uh, clicked the play button. And always be sure to uh, rate us on iTunes. We need those ratings to try and climb up in those uh, in the charts for sports. Um, always be sure to also check us out. We are on SoundCloud at Tip of the Tower. Uh, you can also reach our Facebook page, Tip of the Tower. If you want to talk to me on Twitter, be sure to hit me a direct message anytime, anyplace at Ryan Greco416. And of course, questions for the show, questions for the site, and everything that we do, reach us on Twitter at Tip of the Tower. Uh, once again, my name is Ryan Greco, and I want to thank everybody for uh, listening to this edition of the TOT cast. Everybody, take care of yourselves and have a fantastic rest of your day.